What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. Today on the show, I sit down with Jennifer. She's a psychology and personality type enthusiast. So for all things on personality type, she is the one to turn to. She's a mentor to me and she was an awesome youth group leader. Stay tuned and listen as we talk language barrier, stereotypes, cultural roots, and the duality of pride and resentment within her Haitian American cultural experience. So just my name, my name's Jennifer. Uh, I live in Boston, born and raised. Could you share where your, your family comes from, what you do and what your interests are? Sure. So my family is from Haiti. Um, the, my mom's side of the family is from Port-au-Prince. And my dad's side of the family is from an area called Aikai, Haiti. And I am a teacher by trade, but I currently work as a corporate trainer. And my interests are kind of all over the place, I would say. Um, I am interested, I guess specifically I could talk about, I'm interested in personal and professional development, um, whether that is kind of strength building for individuals, appreciation language, personality, awareness and assessment, just kind of a more of a psychology kind of enthusiast, I guess you could, could say. That's really cool. Have you come across any interesting people that you not assess but talk to about their strengths or um you know I talked I feel like I talked to everybody about them and to be honest, everybody's perception or understanding or experience about the conversations related to personal and uh, workplace development have been really interesting. Um, I know when I was in college, I had considered maybe doing family therapy or child um, therapy just to be able to have those types of conversations with, with other individuals. So when I do get to talk to somebody about it, it's, I guess for me, the most exciting part is hearing their own day-to-day experiences, their relationship experiences with their family and their own friends and really trying to figure out, all right, so here's where you're at. This is what you're, this is what you're saying. This is what I'm hearing um, and where you're trying to go and helping people really figure out some connections between who they are and what they're experiencing. And so I don't know if I had necessarily one super interesting person I've talked to, but I think every time I have a conversation with somebody about their own life, it's always really interesting to me yeah everybody has a story right uh regardless if you can see their stories from the way they live their lives or what you think about them uh, but once you start talking to somebody and really peeling back certain layers you find out that everybody has a story to tell which is really cool i love that too i think this is what the show is about as well oh awesome well they're, they're look at that <laughs> So you say your family's from Haiti. Have you ever visited Haiti? I have never been to Haiti. Um, that's in- it's interesting because when I think about that, my I remember when I was a kid, 
um, my somebody in my family had asked, like, oh, like, we're, you know, we might be planning a trip to Haiti. Do you want to come? And my 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 two concerns were: Did Haiti have a TV? And did Haiti have? I think I asked if they had like cheeseburgers. <laughs> that is my only kind of real memory of ever considering going or being asked to go or my family ever talking about going my I don't know if anybody in my immediate family visited um their home I'm trying to think I for for some folks may know that in 2010 there was a huge uh, earthquake in Haiti and I know some of my family went back to support but more so from a professional standpoint so they work in the medical field and they went with a hospital or they went with another team to be able to provide their skills their language um, and and to do that but a lot of my I don't know a lot of family that live in Haiti so it never was something that was kind of discussed or talked about to, to visit. And I think after the earthquake, if anybody that I was related to was there and they were well, I think um, the goal and the, the what actually happened was to get them to, you know, to come here to the States. So no, I haven't been to Haiti. I would, I think I definitely would love to go. It's not necessarily something I've, you know, added onto my bucket list which I kind of feel guilty about sometimes. Um, but we'll probably get into this too. But um, I know for me, it's probably not something I've considered a lot only because as the first person born in, on both sides of my family really born here, um, language barrier, I think is probably the number one reason that whether I'm aware of it consciously or not, now that I'm thinking about it, probably very unconsciously, um, that has really kept that off of my bucket list, right? So I can communicate with my family, um, and it's always been this way. I speak English, they speak Haitian Creole, I understand everything they say, they respond, you know, I respond back in English, and we just kind of communicate that way, and I think I know deep down that's not going to be the way to communicate if I were to visit Haiti, and that's probably the hesitation there, which kind of sucks. Um, as a as a teacher, I used to have conversations with with parents who were dual language, um, teaching their their child in their home, and for that child to be a dual language learner and kind of giving tips to the parents. My number one tip is, you know, it's not just about speaking your home language to the child, but it's having the child speak the home language back to you, right? Because we can understand what our family is saying but it doesn't it's only half the conversation if we can't speak back the language to to the to our family yeah that's such an important point i experienced the same thing with my family and they would speak french to us so growing up we all understood the language i still understand a lot of it but communicating back in french is like a huge struggle right right and then when you try especially when i was becoming like adolescent a teenager you know I'm, I'm trying to embrace my culture and really be a part of it and then adults laughing right? and it's like what like you do not laugh at a teenager trying to do anything new right that that's gonna shut them down so i think that's a big part of it um and it really disconnects you from the culture as a whole you know i have 
one living grandparent and I'm not close to him at all because, you know, I, I hardly see him, but when I do, there's that language barrier there. And now I'm intimidated because my family used to laugh at me when I used to try. So uh, it definitely is a huge, huge factor when it comes to connecting with cultures, if you can speak the language, right? Mm-hmm. A huge disconnect. Yeah. And that's true. Like, I used to think it's okay. Like, yeah, I can talk to them. I understand what they're saying. They can kind of understand you, but it's true that they would just make fun of you. And it's really discouraging. Right. And I still try to learn the language, but I just know it won't sound like them. So. Right, right, right. I wish it turned out a little bit differently, but everybody's like, oh, you can still learn now. And I'm like, mm. you know, <laughs> once you're like, a, once you're an adult, it's hard for you to think about the new skills that you can learn. So I guess I could, but this doesn't feel the same. Yeah, not the same. I wonder why that is like, why their reaction to our attempts at their languages to laugh or where is that coming from i don't know i feel like i i don't honestly i i don't i have no idea i'm trying to think of back when i was a in the only way i could think of is like when i was a teacher and when i was a preschool teacher specifically and children were learning to to just to talk, right? Just to share language and express themselves. It's kind of like this, oh, they're so cute, right? They say it this way, or, you know, we're speaking the same language, you know, in our classroom, it was primarily English speaking children. So it wasn't that I was laughing at the fact that they were, that, like how they were saying it. I guess it was just more like, oh my goodness, you couldn't say anything. You couldn't say it last week and now you're trying to say it and it just, it's cute, right? So you kind of have like this, oh, look at you. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if, in the same sense, if it's that way, right? Like, they're not laughing to be mean or rude or to mock, but they're laughing to kind of be like, oh, it's so cute. Like, look at you trying. But we take it as, like, okay, this is not working. Yeah, um, definitely. Because they won't say that it's cute. They'll just, like, haha, yeah, nice like, try. Yeah, I say that. It's like, okay, well, help me out here. Yeah, and I think culturally, too, like, they don't you know, for them, it's, they probably don't realize that when they were learning how to speak English, right, what would have happened to them if people, and I'm sure it may, it maybe it did happen, um, if people were laughing or people were kind of suggesting, that's not how you say that. Because um, I know a lot of family members, adults who didn't pick up the language, you know, didn't pick up English very well. And I wonder if that's what happened to them. Maybe they were trying, they, you know, they've been here for 20 years. But early on in the years, they were just like, you know what? I give up. I'm not doing this anymore. It is interesting. Like we don't put ourselves in in the shoes of others, so we're doing to them exactly what might have been done to us, not realizing the harm that it's going to cause. Not necessarily physical harm, but just the disservice that it causes. That's true. And I think another thing is, if they find a community where they can be comfortable speaking their own language, then there's not much of a need to try for English, I guess. Definitely. And that's what I noticed that happened, um, particularly for my younger cousins, right? So, again, I'm the first one born on both sides of my family here in the States. So, understanding the language, I kind of had to, right? My family was speaking it. They were speaking it to each other. Um, so, maybe it's myself and maybe a couple other older cousins. But I realized from my younger cousins, 
they actually don't even understand the language a lot because they had us as part of their community more than they had the adults as part of their community, right? So they didn't have to understand what the adults were saying in our home language in Haitian Creole because they had older siblings or older cousins to be able to translate or to communicate for them. So I think you're right that, you know, when you're in your community, if you find that community and you feel like, you know, I don't need to extend myself in that way, then you don't. I, my, one of my cousins, my youngest cousin, um, lived with his parent his entire life and there's still that language barrier there. And I'm like, wait, how is that possible? How do you live in the same house and you have a language barrier? But again, you know, if you, if you have that middle person or middle group to connect for you, I guess it's not necessarily a, a need to be met. Mm-hmm. Especially living in America where the language is English and if he's going to school then right, or anywhere exactly. with friends, that's what he's he'll be speaking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like it's the majority. Um and I think too that's probably what happens with parents is that or, you know, families they're trying so hard to be a part of the culture or to assimilate and so once their child is here and born, they're kind of figuring, you know, let's let's make sure that they understand English make sure, let's make sure that they know English let's make sure that they're part of the culture not realizing that we're gonna get English regardless like it's in school it's on TV our friends like we're going to get the language so speaking our home language at home is not going to mess up our education it's not gonna mess us up for what we're trying to build here and I think that's the fear right it's like well we're gonna let them we're gonna we want them to learn English so we won't you know make them um speak to us in our home language and it's like we're gonna get it don't worry about that like children young as two three four five can pick up two three more languages if it's all shared at the same time they'll figure out how to process the different information but I think families get really nervous that they're gonna interrupt our ability to learn English if, if we if we speak our home language which is unfortunate because again we lose that as adults now we can't communicate with the elders in our family so that sucks yeah that's exactly right i think you put it perfectly i think that's what it is yeah it's that it's that it's that it's that desire to be a therapist right just trying to figure out all right what do these adults you know what did they have at hand what was their thinking process you know what were their hopes and their goals and their desires and you know of course they tried they want the best but um unfortunately there's huge gaps for us as as the children of that right and, and that's not the case for everybody because i know i have friends who are my age first born here um but they speak their home language fluently and you know maybe their families did laugh and chuckle at them but they got through it so I think too a lot of personality I am um I've read again I'm super huge into personality assessments and I've read that for introverts compared to extroverts introverts are less likely to accept being critiqued in front of others right so if i'm learning something new and i need to practice or i'm taking a, you know i'm taking an assessment i kind of want to do that behind closed doors without anybody seeing me fail or mess up so i think part of that might play into it as well so if i'm um if i'm speaking a language and somebody laughs at me that's kind of being critiqued and 
in front of a group rather than, you know, maybe my peers who were like, all right, you can laugh, but I still want to figure this out. So let's, let's, let's do that. Right. So I think personality has a, probably a big part to play in it as well. That's true. I agree with the, like overcoming that laughter, they will push through depending on their personality. Right. They're more interested in meeting their goal rather than mm. the opinion of that other person. I guess the comforting thing about all of us is like, there's a whole group of us experiencing the same language issue with the consequences of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, do you identify yourself? If so, how? That's a good question. <laughs> um, how do I identify myself? Honestly, I identify myself, I would say black. That's probably what it is. Uh, and I, and to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it, probably, that's probably has changed over the years, right? So when I was younger, I'd probably say that I was, you know, American. And then I got a little bit older, I'd probably say I was African-American. And then... I went to college and this whole idea of really, you know, like not all black people are descendants of, you know, like are are necessarily African-American, right? So I was like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm actually Haitian-American, I'm not African-American, right? Maybe is that how that goes? Like, how, do, how does this all work, right? And then I remember, I remember I was saying to somebody near my family, like, oh yeah, I'm Haitian. And they're like, you're not Haitian, you weren't born in Haiti. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what this is. What am I? He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm, I'm black. And if they want to ask me ethnicity, I guess I could put Haitian. But again, with a with a lack of uh, connecting to my culture, whether that's language, whether that's visiting the the, the physical space of Haiti, um, I feel like it's the safest quote unquote way to identify myself. I almost feel like a fraud, if that makes any sense, to say that I'm Haitian. It feels like I don't really have much to offer um, my community to say that I'm Haitian or I don't have much to offer somebody else who's asking me about being Haitian. Um, but of course, you know, definitely my family's from Haiti. My culture in my home, I guess, would be would be would be influenced by Haiti, right? You're 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 here in the states, but then you go home and it's like it's a whole different world. Um, so definitely have that experience. But if somebody were to ask, and not necessarily having having this conversation around culture, I'd probably just say black and just like leave it at that. And it's like you want to know more, ask me more detailed questions, and I will provide more context. <laughs> That's a real well put. Because black encompasses a lot, and it's like really vague, so it is what right. you make it. Right, right, right. And and it wasn't until, and I felt so like naive. Um, I was younger in school, and again, you know, African American. That's what you say when you're a black child in in the U.S. And I asked another. I was having this conversation with another child, maybe not even child. I don't even know how old we were. And he said he was, African, like, he was black, he was African-American. I was like, okay, but, like, where are you from, though? You know, we all love that question. <laughs> but in the context of what I meant was, I know my family is from Haiti, right? 
So to me, it's kind of like, all right, I get that you're black, I get that you're African American, but like, where's your where's your actual ethnicity? Like, where's your family from? And he's like, no, like we're from here, right? Like my answers, like we were. I my grandparents were born here. My great great grandparents were born here. Like this is where I'm from. Like I'm African American for real. And I was like, oh, and it wasn't until like that age, probably like ten or so, that I was like, oh, not every black family comes from necessarily an, another place, right? Yes, as a whole and from like generations ago, but like more recently, right? In my mind, all, at least at that young age, because my contacts and my family, you know, and my friends, my immediate friends, my family friends were children who were children of color, but their families were from somewhere else, right? So I had assumed that that was probably the case for all children of color. Like, where are your family from? Like, where are they actually? Where did they actually, like, where did your grandparents come from? So for him to say, like, they were born here, like, they're from here, I think that was really, like, a weird understanding for me in that moment. And again, my family didn't really talk about culture. They didn't talk about what that looked like for different people. And that, you know, what we were experiencing wasn't the experience for everybody else. And I don't think I ever thought of it. So it was kind of eye-opening for me. It really, I mean, it's really interesting how children in general just start to learn about these types of things just by kind of having conversations with other children and be like, wait, your experience isn't like my experience? Let Mm. me dig more into this. Yes. That's the same for me. I didn't really have those conversations until college. Because growing up with all the kids of color, I, I felt they had the same story as I did. Like, they're living in America, but their parents are from another country. And then I had this friend and I asked her, like, oh, where's your family from? And she was just like, America. And I was like, oh, but like, what country? Right. And she was like, no, they're all from here. And I was like, I made the connection with slavery. And like, all in my head, I was like, oh. And then I just had that realization that not... Well, yeah, not everyone is the same, but generations and generations are still... People will identify as African-American because that's who they are and that's all they know of who they are. Right, 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 right. That was going to be my next question, is if... When people ask you, where are you from, like, what is your response? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Whenever somebody says, where are you from, I think you might have asked me in the beginning, like, oh, like, where are you from? And I just say Boston. Even though I don't necessarily live in the city of Boston, and if anybody is from Massachusetts or is actually from Boston, you know, like, do you really mean Boston or do you just mean, like, Massachusetts and you're not saying that, right? So I wasn't, I'm not necessarily, actually, I guess I was from the city. I don't, I haven't lived in the city in a while. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm always going to be, because it just, it just, it's just normal to me. It just, it's just is to me. So if you ask me where I'm from, I'm just going to say I'm from Boston. And if you're asking about culture or ethnicity or you know, anything like that, I'm just expecting you to ask me a more specific question. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start with, I'm from Boston, and then if you're like, oh, did you live in the city? Then I might be more, well, I live right outside of Boston, and it's like, oh, where's your family from? Then I'm like, oh, well, they're from Haiti, right? So for me, I think it's a very broad blanket statement of this is where I'm from very generally. This is, you know, just... But my assumption is that if somebody wants to know specifically, they're going to have to ask specifically. Because again, I think for a person of color that happens, regardless if they're first generation or not, 
that happens often. It's like, where are you from is a question of like, what's your ethnicity? Like, what's your background? What's your family's background? But, you know, asking a person who's not of color where you're from may not necessarily be that. It's just like, no, literally, like, <laughs> you know, where do you go to school? Right. I'm like, wait, like, I don't know what question you're asking me right now. I just need, like, if you're asking where you're from, I'm just going to give you a basic, this is where I'm from. If you want to know more, be more specific. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I, but if somebody's like, oh, like, what's your culture or what's your ethnicity? I think I would be a little bit more specific in saying, oh, I was born here, but my family's from Haiti. So again, it's kind of the uncomfortableness of saying, like, owning it myself right because i feel like whether it's language or because you know you've probably experienced oh say something in right <laughs> say something like that's like okay that's not how this works like um <laughs> so i can tell you that i'm from here but my family is from so hopefully that answers a lot of your questions your follow-up <laughs> questions no i'm not gonna say something in yes i can um you know kind of have all that was answered for you in my in my my response i'm from here my family's from haiti yeah, and that's my response also. It's like, I was born yeah. here, my family's from Ivory Coast. But yeah. an interesting point that you're making is like, for people of color, we require all those sub-questions. Like, oh my are God. you talking about yeah. geographically, ethnically, culturally, where am I from? But I think the assumption is to avoid... I feel like it's sensitive to be like, ethnically or culturally, where, where are you from? Right. So we're supposed to assume that when they ask, where are you from, it's about our culture. Because right. we look different. Right, right, right. So you don't belong here, right. where are you from? <laughs> exactly. And, and it's true because, and I think one of the biggest things that we don't realize also is that, you know, we're taught the same things, so we do it. So when I asked that child, you know, where's your family from, because he was a person of color, that's the exact same thing I was doing, assuming that his family wasn't from... America, right? That his background, that his aunt, that his grandparents weren't from here. Um, so I, I think we all do it, but I think when you're the person that is being asked to, especially when you're the person of color, um, you know that there are more likely than not a reason why they're asking, and it's not just to know like what high school you went to, like where's the house that you grew up in, where <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, exactly, like where do you live. <laughs> That's funny. That's really important. I feel like I just I just thought about that right now. We require those additional questions. We require a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of like non-thinking thinking that happens, right? Like very unconscious things that we're just we just know and we're aware of without even yeah. realizing it. And mm-hmm. like you said, like you just kind of realize it in the moment, right? You don't can't necessarily process it or ask those things because they're like they're subconscious until you say something or you hear something it's like huh i didn't realize that i that i do that or that i knew that or that i expected that exactly yeah it just makes you think even more it's like so it's like a weird feeling right so i guess you already answered this but which culture do you identify with most and why I mean, I guess I'm going to have to say the American culture, but that's, I mean, yeah, that's going to be my answer. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you said, like, I already said it, it's partially, mostly because that's the, that's the culture that you, I connect with, that's the culture that I know. Um, again, I think language is going to be a huge connecting factor when it comes to culture, 
you know, what language do I process information? Do I process my emotions? What language, um, when I'm in a state where my mind is not necessarily able to, 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 you know, has to think really quickly, right? So if I need to express myself very passionately, what language am I going to do that in? And I think wherever I got that language is probably where I got the, the introduction or the experience, right? And if I got my experience from American culture, then that's going to be the culture that I probably identify the most with or, you know, that has taught me what to expect in life or how to approach life. I mean, I think that's probably what makes being first generation also difficult, right? So while my American culture is teaching me about how to process experiences, how to go through experiences, what to expect of relationships, what to expect of uh, future possibilities and potential and goals and interests and hobbies and you know just anything that's related to culture while that's American I also have a Haitian culture that's kind of like maybe not as loud but definitely prevalent definitely part of my um of my rear view definitely part of the the audience right so my family my my the elders in my family will have their own expectations of how I should be experiencing emotions or how I should be experiencing life or what goals I should be making or what goals I should be accomplishing right so it's like okay guys I know you have your own ideas of what I'm supposed to be doing but my American culture also taught me these things so I'm really kind of confused about what's going on right now like am I a successful person or am I not a successful person whose definition of success am I trying to figure out right like whose definition and by who like which culture is saying that I'm I grew up to be the person I was supposed to be um so I definitely didn't as an American but I think I evaluate myself in Haitian culture as well which can get really tricky yeah that makes a lot of sense sounds like a lot of duality and polar ends would you say yeah i know when i studied culture there's usually there's a term and i could be saying this wrong like collectivism so the idea or versus individualism right and probably heard mm-hmm. before that you know the u.s or western part of the world is more individualistic where you know you kind of do things on your own you're 18 you move out you take care of yourself you take care of your family like you, you kind of go and that's it where other cultures may be more collectivist, where it's like, you know, we're a family, we do this as a unit, the, you know, the whole is more important than the, than the, than the individual and all of that. And I don't know necessarily if I would identify how I would identify my culture in my home, but I don't think it's as individualistic as maybe necessarily the American culture. So part of that is kind of like, all right, what am I going to do for myself? What am I going to do for myself? What am I going to do for myself? But also having this kind of itch behind me that says, hey, like, don't forget about us. Like, we're a team. We're a unit. And not to say that I, you know, it's a distancing from family or letting go of family. But just, again, from a broader cultural perspective, it's like, am I doing this for my family? Am I doing this for us? Or am I doing this for me? Right? Like, what's more important? Or what? is driving my goals is it 
what we want and what we need or is it what I want and what I need um so that's been yeah so there's definitely that polar polar ends I mean I think at the end of the day your family your culture everybody hopefully your culture um wants what's best for you right wants you to be healthy wants you to be well wants you to have a good life so there there there's that middle ground of just being a a person um but what kind of person I think is part that's that's the two different ends are there times where you felt selfish for leaning more towards the individualism and doing things for yourself rather than thinking about like all those questions that go through your mind considering your family and all that yes I think more so now less when I was probably a teenager less when I was in college only because you know again you're kind of really thrown into the American culture at those age where you're kind of like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out me I'm not, I don't really have you know just being a teenager right just being a young adult like you're just really trying to figure out yourself and now that I feel like I guess I can consider I'm mid-30s again so I guess I'm an adult for real now um, I think I probably feel more guilty now because I have to continue it's still a question of you know what are you doing for yourself and but how are you also giving or doing for your family as a whole right like you went through your teenage years you went through your young adult years but now as an adult do you now kind of circle back and say okay how do I how do I do this for us now what do I do for us right so I think I probably feel more guilty now that I'm still in the space again I'm not saying like I'm not here for my family or or that or that anything like that but but more so you know are my goals moving forward for me and in mine or are my goals moving forward for the whole unit and I don't know if I'm necessarily there yet for the collectivist part of my culture so maybe I feel guilty more so now as a young person as a child as a teenager again being the first one born here a lot of my cultural context for what it meant to be american was watching television right mm. so what what is okay what i'm supposed to be experiencing was what tv was teaching what tv families were teaching right these sitcoms especially like the early 90s like what are these sitcom families you know you have the Cosby show you have the you know Fresh Prince you have Full House you really had especially in the 90s all these family sitcoms that had these issues and then within 30 minutes the families the adults the parents figured out how to address the issue with the young person with the child with the with the teenager in a way that was impactful that was thoughtful that was engaging that was personal that was um light-hearted still right and it's almost like wait a second that's the american way how come that doesn't happen here like that right so it's almost this resentment of your own culture because you're assuming your culture is 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 wrong right that's not how my family treats me so they must be wrong um yeah 
So yeah, I think still trying to figure out that process of like what's real and what's not real, what's okay, what's not okay, what's what's fake, right? What's what's a what's a what's an expectation that can't be met because there were people writing it behind closed doors on a script mm-hmm. versus what's like reality. That's a good point. And, and something else I haven't thought about, like all the sitcoms that we grew up with did model the ideal American family right. which was nothing as, like the one that you were living and as an adult I don't even know if actual real American families experience that type of life right? Yeah. <laughs> but in my mind as a, as a person growing up it's like that's how American people did it mm-hmm. and we're in America so <laughs> what's going on what's going on exactly exactly which kind of sucks because then we're we're for me I guess I'm giving I'm have this expectation of the adults in my family to be able to meet something that's not even real. Mm-hmm. So how I was viewing them or how I was resenting them wasn't necessarily even their fault. Because mm-hmm. you have that expectation from a false reality, right? Yeah. And even more so, I feel like reality, like TV reality shows are even more false, <laughs> if that makes any sense, right? It almost feels like the scripted stuff was more real than what the reality is happening now. So I can imagine young children or teenagers watching what they're watching today and what they're expecting of their own families. Mm, that's a really, really good point, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's even more fake than those sitcoms. Right, right. I think this comes. It was trying to give an opportunity to say, like, this is. I mean, it's not going to turn out this way, but here's a way you can approach it, right? um, Not even sitcoms, but like reality shows today kind of have this whole other. And I know a lot of reality shows are even playing in, or even sitcoms are even playing into the cultural differences, right? So you have whether it's it is African American, so like a show like Blackish or. Um, other shows like the Goldbergs, I think I believe it's a Jewish family. Um, there's a reality show about I'm not sure the name of it, but kind of the culture around an Indian family, right? So it's like all these TV shows and reality shows are really highlighting the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a part of that culture and I'm watching it again, there's this expectation of what my home is supposed to be like and what it actually is and that gets really confusing for folks yeah it's like it's a nice try like they're pushing for diversity in tv and then we're back to square one of the expectations versus our own realities and it's i I guess it's a worse because it's even more not realistic, but more relatable because it's your culture on TV, but then it's not the same. Right. Yeah. And then I wonder, you know, are folks who are not a part of that culture watching mm. those shows? And if they are, is it an opportunity for them to learn about others' experiences or is it just you know is it just kind of are they taking it as like this is right the same way when i was watching american tv shows and i was saying this is how american people live right Mm -hmm. so it's somebody who's not of a specific culture watching these newer shows and they're thinking this is how that culture lives right it's like 
okay, don't do what I did. Don't assume this one TV show, scripted or quote-unquote unscripted, mm-hmm. is providing you an insight into all people in this culture and how they live in their homes. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like, I think as I said at the beginning, like, everybody has a story. And I think the important piece, like, while cultures really connect us and we understand, and, you know, there's humor, there are experiences within cultures I think are specific to those cultures we can laugh about certain things because we're the same culture even though we're you know we've never met before we can still have a certain um shared experience I think is really cool Mm -hmm. but at the same time remembering my house is not like your house and how we grew up may not necessarily be while the experience may be the same the interpretation may not necessarily be the same yeah and what you said about um, people watching those shows who are not of the culture, they may feed into certain stereotypes that the show right. is making. Right, right. I've had that happen. Somebody, one of my coworkers was watching the show Blackish, and it was an episode where the, I believe it was a younger daughter, um, was having just conversations about her hair, mm-hmm. like whether she wanted to be natural or not. And I had just gone natural myself. And my coworker was like, oh my goodness, I was just watching a show. I was just watching the show about that. And, you know, and she was relating the girl's experiences to my experiences. And I was like, I get it. I, I appreciate the, the, the desire to try to relate or try to understand. But I kind of felt like, well, don't just ask me about my experience, right? <laughs> don't ask me about if my experience is the same as a TV character. Mm-hmm. But I think to be fair, you know, when somebody doesn't know, it's easier to to kind of digest new information in a 30-minute sitcom. Yeah, it's true. The show kind of like bridged the gap between right, her right. trying to talk to you about your hair, basically. Right. Because maybe she, yeah, maybe she had questions and didn't feel comfortable before watching the episode and just kind of gave her a place to start, which I respect that. Mm-hmm. What other stereotypes, if any, have you had to face or and overcome? I would, I mean, I wouldn't say I had to necessarily overcome. At least I don't feel like I've had to overcome any type of stereotype mm-hmm. related to my family's background um sometimes I don't know sometimes they feel like really to me they feel really silly because I know it's not the truth but again you don't realize what other people how other people see your culture until something happens right or somebody says something so um Katie's probably like one person in school said to me what you're Haitian you have like really long hair and I was just, like, so confused by the statement. Mm-hmm. Like, what does my hair have to do with where my family is from? Um, and to me, like, my cousins, like, I mean, some of my cousins have really short hair. Some of my cousins have longer hair. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I started, I think that was the moment that I realized that, oh, wow. I don't know, I don't know if it's just only this one person. But if it's not, then people assume that Haitian people, you know, women have short hair um there's I know one for for guys I haven't experienced myself but I know kind of like a cultural 
stereotype are like Haitian guys are not necessarily faithful or you know like they're they have more than one women and you know like that's a stereotype again like I have I know Haitian guys who are not faithful but I know Haitian guys who are faithful so um that's stereotypes suck (laughs) however way you put it right like and again, I think within your own culture, you can laugh about certain types of stereotypes or poke fun at certain stereotypes within your own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when it's somebody outside of your culture kind of pointing it out or making an assumption, it kind of feels like, I don't I don't understand how that thing that is possible for any person of any race, of any, any ethnicity, of any age, is the one thing that you think about when I told you that my family was Haitian. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know if I just, I don't know if I would say that I again unless unless it's unconsciously that I'm overcoming certain stereotypes and I don't even realize it. But I don't know if I would say that there's anything that really stands out to me as prominent that I've kinda had to to adjust to because I told somebody that I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure and I you know what, honestly now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more there's probably I probably have an assumption that the person I'm talking to has an assumption I just don't know what that is so for example like if you're like oh like where you're from and I say oh I'm from Boston it's like oh no but like where's your family from it's like oh my family's from Haiti I guess this is like a like a subconscious thing like I I I believe they're thinking something about that information Mm -hmm. I just don't know what it is Mm -hmm. right and they're probably not going to tell me what that assumption is so maybe I am kind of overcoming stereotypes and I don't even realize it because I don't know what that stereotype is. But I do feel like once I say my family's from Haiti, I do have like this pause of like, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, internally. Yeah. And they will they will never say it. Right. And, and to be fair, I don't even know if they even know this. You know, like a lot of times we talk about biases, like there could be unconscious right they may have an unconscious bias towards towards me because I've shared that for whatever reason um and that's the tricky thing is that you know they may they may be really consciously thinking wow your family's in Haiti so this must be true Mm -hmm. or they might not even realize that that was an automatic thought that they had exactly yeah I think for me, when I think of my culture or what it means, not necessarily my culture, but what it means for me to be a person in my family or in my community or, you know, just a citizen of this state, uh, what it means to be first generation. I don't, I don't think of 
specifically my family's culture, right? It's not, I'm first generation from a Haitian family. Um, again, if somebody's asking specifically that, they would have to be more specific. I think for me, when I think about being first gen, it's about my own experiences. And when I think about those experiences, there are two feelings that come up and they're usually coming up together for a one experience or it's like a divide, right? So I either feel really proud of my family. I feel really proud that I can identify as being somebody who's first generation. There's a lot of pride in knowing that everything that I have today really came from people who took huge risks, who who worked tremendously hard in an environment that they knew nothing about, right? So my grandmother came here. I believe she came on her own. And then, you know, she worked really hard. She was able to send back and bring other family members here. She was able to bring her kids here. So to be able to come from stock that really is able to walk into a new environment and, you know, be able to work, to be able to learn language, be able to read and write, to be able to do all of this, right? I think there's a really sense of pride that comes over me if anybody was to question me like you are about being first generation like I feel like I can't help but feel proud right Mm -hmm. um but there's also this feeling of resentment of my experiences like I resent that I had to be an interpreter right so if certain family members didn't understand what was going on in a conversation that somebody called the house um I had to oh hello okay she said this and again I'm not very comfortable with the language on on my family side but I'm also not very comfortable or aware of the content from the person who's speaking English right so being able to translate for both of those experiences was really difficult especially as a teenager I think when I was 15 my family asked me to visit to go to a doctor's visit with my grandfather and again I'm not very comfortable speaking Haitian Creole but I'm also not very comfortable with medical terms and you know having to tell my grandfather what this doctor is talking about so I think there's a lot of resentment of having to to be in a role that's not my responsibility right I felt like I had to be an adult in some of those situations um resentment again I mentioned having this expectation when I was watching these sitcoms so there's this resentment of like my family is not doing this right (laughs) they're not they're not doing they're not doing parenting right because that is not what happened on the television show like if I do something wrong there's a whole other way they were supposed to react to that (laughs) um so there's this resentment towards my family that they weren't they weren't doing the emotional work and I don't know if it's like, as a teacher, I think it is more westernized to kind of have this social, emotional approach to engaging with children. I don't think it's necessarily an American thing, but there is a more westernized idea, philosophy around when you're engaging with children, that you have this emotional relationship, right? It's not just kind of providing for and making sure that they're healthy and safe. Well, I felt like 
that was my resentment where like my family like don't get me wrong again they will have three jobs to take care of you they will always have food on the table you will you will never be in need you will never be in 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 want however the emotional side maybe a little bit needy maybe a little bit um in want right and again you kind of feel like my family's not doing this right because they're not from here they don't know that they don't know that's part of the way that that it happens here so for me there's just always this dual emotion that happens when i'm thinking about being first generation i'm super proud i feel so blessed i feel like i'm a product of the risk that my family took i'm a product of the 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 years of hard work the years of studying the years of learning new environments and adapting and assimilating like i'm the product of that and i'm so proud to be that person um but i also resent them for not knowing what to do right for not for not experiencing the things that i was experiencing so i was the first person to go to college here i was the first person um to be a young adult in america i was the first person to move out and not be married um i was the first person to have these very normal experiences but they weren't normal to my family and i resented that i had to kind of be the first to experience that like my family couldn't tell me their experiences about doing what i was doing um in america so i feel there's this there's this tug of war it's like i'm super proud but i also really resent that <laughs> that that was my experience um i hope i my goal my desire my wish is that i lean more towards on the pride side but i think realistically it's easier to remember the the reasons why you resent a situation rather than why you're proud of it so that's us mm-hmm. that's true and i can really feel like your pride that you have in this as well as your resentment that you had to grow up faster and be adult in situations that weren't super appropriate to be at the time And, and when I look at friends or you know others who may not necessarily have the experience or the the category of being first gen, uh, I think you know wow like they didn't have to be a part of certain things that I was. But again, it brings me back to being proud of like it really taught me to be independent. It really taught me to. Um, to lead my own life, right? So I'm not necessarily waiting on my family to tell me about their experiences or to fix certain situations for me because they made, you know, a lot of the college things I had to figure out on my own because they didn't know what to do or what that was about. So I did learn to be able to take care of myself when it came to really important matters. Um but again, I'm like really I have to do this on my own. So there it really is a tug of war. I think in the very in one situation I feel both happy of the person I am because I'm first gen, but I also feel frustrated that there's not necessarily that immediate support because you know, I can't I it's hard for me to feel like I can go to somebody who who didn't experience it. They I mean, don't get me wrong, they experienced 
so many things, right? There are things I can never have to go through, right? I don't have to be in a, in a land where I don't know the language. I don't have to be in a land where, you know, people see me as somebody who doesn't belong here. I don't have to be in a land where, because they were, I guess to be honest, now that I think about it, they were in the same space where nobody before them knew what to expect or what to experience and they didn't have anybody to ask support of so I guess to be fair in that sense they experienced that same feeling um but I think we mentioned earlier too it's like we don't as adults we don't remember what we're what we felt or what we went through in order to anticipate what our child may be feeling or going through Mm -hmm. um so I'm sure my family probably also resented and find pride in it too. I know one aunt. Um, so one person asked me if I really was, if my family really was from Haiti because <laughs> because I had a, like a normal name. And I was like, I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> well, she's like, well, you know, like your name is Jennifer and like your family has like your cousins and the other kids in your family have really like everyday average names and I was like oh okay I'm I'm sorry but it didn't make sense to me then and I, I and when she said it I was like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard like I don't know what you're talking about but it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized that one one of my um relatives who was older she was like oh I wish my name was different I was like wait what because as a child, like these were, my family's name was just their name, right? Like I don't question it. It was just, that's just their name. I don't, there's nothing to it. But she was like, no, nobody knows how to pronounce my name. They always spell it wrong. They always do this. I didn't realize it until I got, that I got older. I was like, oh wow, like you guys, you guys don't have like traditional American names. Um, so to have that for them, they probably have a lot of, you know, resentment too about being the the folks that are immigrants right that that came here and and they don't they don't fit the culture as soon as they introduce themselves not only are their are their accents different their language different but their name is different right um so they probably experience a lot of things to be proud of but also to resent as well I was shocked. She was like, your name is Jennifer. Are you really Haitian? I was like, what does that even mean? It's funny. I get that sometimes. Not, they're just like, oh, you're like, why didn't your parents name you something more African? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Ask them. Right, right. And again, I wonder, I mean, I wonder if I was born in Haiti, I'm sure my name wouldn't be Jennifer, right? If my family didn't come here. Um... To be honest, the year that I was, there's a lot of Jennifer's my like that in my in my circle. Um, so of course, you just Google <laughs> and for the late '80s, early '90s, Jennifer was a very popular name for for some time. And I wonder, I was like, again, you know, maybe it was just the idea of like, hey, we're here, we want things to be as American as possible. Let's just name her the most American name that that's out there right now. Um, I mean, I love my name. I wouldn't change it, but when I think of it that way, it doesn't feel as special. <laughs> it's special with all the ease. Yes, that is. For me, it's not a Haitian thing, right? It's not necessarily a cultural thing, but for me, it helps me feel like it's not just an everyday 
80s 90s jennifer right so it makes me so yeah it does make me feel a little bit special that it's spelled a little differently yeah that's what i was thinking too about trying to be as american as possible even with mm -hmm. names language yeah because yeah. my cousins and i we all have pretty pretty standard american names but all the parents just a little twist. Like, oh, that's interesting. I never heard that one before. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> I was wondering if the things that you resent, if you're, or those are things that your family are proud of you for, like being the first to go to college, moving out. Interesting perspective. Probably. I think, I think the relatives of the like the elders right the one i probably have the least communication with because of language i don't think that they're necessarily proud of the things i resent only because it's so different so like um you know moving going to college like yeah that's that's exciting and i don't think i don't resent going to college but for me it was more the resentment of like how the process was right like so independent um but I think for certain elders in the family, like moving, for me, moving to college meant like moving to college, like going to college, like living on campus. And for elders, that's like, wait, what? Where is she going? She's 18. She's going where? Right? Because the idea of going to college is not, it's not about living, it's about education. Mm -hmm. So I know, I remember when I, my first night when they dropped me off, somebody had asked, you know, it was like aunts and uncles and everybody. And somebody had asked, like, where's your bathroom? I was like, oh, it's down the hall, I think. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you're sharing bathrooms with other people? Like, what is going on? Right? So it's like, they were learning for the first time, like, what this actually meant to go to college. Like, you've been telling me all these all these years to go to college, and now that you're finding out what it means, like, you're a little confused. <laughs> um, or when I moved out and, you know, I got some roommates and I moved out on my own, I think that, like, again, the elders are kind of like, wait, what are you doing? Like, you're not married, so where are you going? Like, mm. that's, just, that's not what we do. So I think in that sense, maybe not necessarily, but I think for the adults that I could kind of have that conversation with or um, that have an understanding already of, like, American culture, right? They're like, oh, like, this is what they do here. Like, this is what... We didn't do it back home, but this is different, right? So my family, so my my parents and my cousin's parents, like they were probably like high school age, if not a little bit older when they came to the States. So in their early 20s, I would say, if not, you know, just like probably ending high school. So enough that by the time that it's, you know, I'm living life, as a young adult they didn't experience it right they didn't move out when before they got married they didn't go to college they didn't live on campus so they couldn't experience what i was experiencing however i think they have a more of an understanding of like the cultural norm here now right so i think it depends i think if it's if it's a relative that's just older i i think they are proud of the things that i resent right my independence um, opportunity to be able to figure things out on my own and kind of make things happen um, but I think the older that the person gets is probably they're probably not as I think they're probably just proud in general like 
hey, look at we came here, we brought everybody here, and now look at the fruits of our labor, maybe. <laughs> but I wouldn't say that they're proud necessarily in the in the steps to get there. Um, I don't want to say that they're not proud, but I don't think they would have done it that way, right? Because so against the cultural norm of Haitian women, right? Young women. You don't leave home when you're not married. You're not leave. <laughs> One of my cousins told me that his mom, which is like a great aunt to me, she was, he was like, oh my God, I guess something happened to you. I was like, why? He's like, my mom called me and she was crying on the phone about Jennifer's moving out. She's not married. <laughs> Mind you, I was like, what, 24, 25 when I moved out? You know, I lived with roommates. I had a job. It was good. All great, positive things. But she called her son crying because I was moving out. He was like, oh my goodness, I thought something had happened to you. I thought like you got hurt or something. <laughs> I was like, no, just just living my life. <laughs> wow. So that, that's my only example of like why I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't use the word proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah. I, think, I don't know what word to use. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It sounds like she might have been scared. Which again, I fully understand. And maybe... And maybe they have an understanding of American culture that, you know, is not necessarily different, but is highlighted, right? So for me, like, yes, I know bad things can happen, but that's just, this is just my, this is just home, right? I'm just going to live life. But to them, you know, coming from Haiti, their whole perspective is about protection, right? They're protecting their family. They're protecting um, the people that they're bringing over from Haiti, they're protecting. So this idea that the the first one, especially right, the first one who's actually born here, is experiencing is going into an unknown that none of us have been able to experience ourselves. Like, how do we support her if something happens? Do we don't even know what could happen because we've never experienced it, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess from that perspective. I guess I could understand it. I mean, it was super annoying, so I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand. I can I can learn to understand the the reason. Yeah, it's it sounds like an extreme reaction, but it does. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I have a lot of extreme family moments. Oh yeah. <laughs> Same here. Okay, I'm just gonna end with this last question. What do you want listeners and everyone to know about you, Jennifer, as a first generation American? Or as a black person? A black woman? That's that's such a hard question. It is. (laughs) (laughs) This is like one of those questions where I'm going to give you an answer, and then, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be like, oh, I wish I said this instead. Right. what do I want people to know about me whether as a black person or a first gen I would say I don't know I guess just based off of this conversation again everybody has their own story um I I can't I can't say that I I identify with one culture totally and leave out another culture I think though I may identify more so American, being Haitian, being Black is definitely going to color the lens that I approach life. It's definitely going to color the lens that 
I approach relationships, the lens that I that I believe other people have assumptions about me. Um, but I think what I want people to know more so is just that again, I'm I'm I am I am my own individual person. Nothing I say is reflective of my culture, whether as a black person, whether as a woman, whether as a um Haitian person, whether as a Haitian American person, whether as a American, whatever the, whatever the category, whatever the group may be, I would say my own experiences and my own perspectives and my own um, approaches and my own understandings and my own interpretations are just my own. Um, they're colored by so many different pieces of who I am and what I've seen and what I've experienced. And I would I would hope that people understand that for others, right? Not to kind of assume that all first gen individuals have the same thinking process or the same experiences well again we have shared experiences we have shared um understanding where it's so unique to each individual and I, I think that's even the same case for siblings right i think people who grew up in the same house um though they may share the exact same experiences doesn't mean that necessarily that they're that their lens or their approach or their interpretation is the same. So that'd be my biggest hope that people take away from me is that I am representing myself. <laughs> I am not representing a group. However, I do take so much pride in being first generation. I think it's such an amazing, amazing feeling opportunity. Um, it's such an honor to be able to say that my family came here and figured it out, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. they literally figured it out and now I know that I have the the background the, the the family the roots to be able to figure out my tomorrow my future right um and sometimes it's it's hard and I have a lot of things that I resent I don't think people did things intentionally or on purpose I think everybody did the best that they could but just like a regular person there are some experiences that it was tough to go through, but it's made me who I am. That was a lot of words, so hopefully that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 me. That's what I want you to take from Jennifer. That was really beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Yes, you are not the voice of all first generations. You are your own person. Yeah, it's really yes. beautiful. Thank you for being on the show, Jennifer. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I love the, I love the conversation, the topic. I think it's such an important um, piece of ourselves to be able to express and process. Um, I don't think we ever do that intentionally. So to actually sit down and think about what that means for us, having gone through and experienced whatever that may be, I think is really, it's a really cool, cool, cool opportunity to do that. Yeah, I had a few epiphanies just like just talking to you right now. Like, wow, some things I haven't intentionally thought about. Right, right. Once you're aware of something, that's the biggest first step of anything to be able to to either utilize it because you're aware of it and you're proud of it, or to be aware of it and you know I don't want to say that's already changed, but work or adapt from it right so i think being able to have these conversations to make yourself aware of things that we never really thought of or process is really 
is really cool. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to catch you in the next episode. All original music produced by Stubborn Soul. You can find him on all music listening platforms at S-T-B-R-N-S-A-L. Peace out.